Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Morning, church. Hey there. (laughs) Well, it is change the time day today, right? How many of y'all had a hard time getting up this morning? Okay, there's a few hands that are willing to be honest. That's okay. I understand. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited. I heard a rumor, and I hope this is true here in Texas. We're new to Texas. But I heard that uh, time change is going to stay this time. Is that right? I mean, that that sounds like a great thing. And so I always want an extra hour of sunlight myself. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, There's a lot of familiar faces. Uh, there's a lot of unfamiliar faces. Uh, we're new, uh, been here since Thanksgiving. Uh, I am privileged and blessed to be the new student pastor here and to come do life and church with y'all. And uh, I get to preach this morning. And so, uh, are y'all ready? Yeah. Come on now. I want to start off with, is there anybody, I asked first service, and I feel like it's kind of a bad question because people are going to know better than me. But are there any Texas historians in the sanctuary this morning? Texas historians, you're like a history buff on Texas. This might be a little bit easier, this service, right? Hopefully, I have the right answers. And so, outside of Texas, we always hear everything is bigger in Texas. And that's true, especially the pollen. (laughs) My my poor wife. Uh, That's a whole other story. But um, this morning, I want to ask the question, if you know, I want to see if you know, what are the three largest statues in Texas? Anybody know? What one? They said that in the first service, too. I hope I got this right. Okay, so we're just going to go to what I think is right, and you can correct me afterwards. So the largest statue in Texas is Sam Houston, 77 feet tall. Look how small the people are there. Has anybody ever visited this statue? Okay, okay. We're going to get there someday. Okay, the second largest statue, just a little bit shorter, a foot shorter, is the Stephen F. Austin statue. Who's been there? Okay, a few of y'all. And then finally, there's a Buddhist statue that is referred to as the Quan Am, it's 72 feet tall, okay? I bring all these statues up and the pictures up because today the Bible is going to take us around a story around a statue, and it's a 90-foot tall statue, okay? It's a 90-foot tall statue that the king at the time uh, commanded it be built of gold. And it was built to have an idol, and it was built so that when the music hit, everyone would bow down and they'd worship this statue. And so, today we're going to talk about around this statue, and it's going to take us in our word to this statue, but that is not our focus today. So, tell your neighbor, the focus is not the statue. Okay. The focus today is this for you. Are you going to bow down and worship idols and the things of this world like everybody else, or are you only going to worship and praise God? Okay. That's what we're going to focus on today. And uh, um, in doing this... Uh, this statue that I refer to, does anybody know maybe where we're going with this 90-foot statue that the king built out of gold? Does anybody know the story, who the king was? I heard it over there, Nebuchadnezzar, right? And so you hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and if you've been coming to church since you were a kid or if you have kids, you've probably heard this story over and over again. It's a, it's a, a regular story. And I want to tell you something. That story is not just for kids. 
It's in our living, breathing Word of God that God has given us. And I believe today that God has a word for you specifically out of His Word. And that word is very specific, that He wants for you to trust Him only and only to worship Him. Amen? And so that's what we're going to look at today. That's what we're going to go into. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. And uh, I want to start off with, before you even go to get into the Scripture, if you don't have a Bible, I don't want you leaving the sanctuary today without a Bible. When you leave today, go to our Connections Corner right off to your left, and there's Bibles there. We have them free to give. And I got to tell you, I was talking after first service with my brother Mark, and uh, he encouraged me to do this, and you're exactly right. God gave me vision as I was praying for what service would look like. And the vision was is there would be somebody that would be in need of a Bible in the sanctuary, and it'd actually be a physical handing out, not, not just walking out of the sanctuary and getting a Bible, because that's going to happen. We've seen that happen off of first service. But there's somebody in, in the audience that's like, yeah, I don't have a Bible, and I could take a Bible. Who needs a Bible that doesn't have a Bible? Is there anybody? Back there, there's one. Okay, awesome. Anybody else? Okay, good. I love it, and I appreciate that encouragement, Mark. Sometimes when, when God gives those visions and things, you're sometimes a little nervous about saying it, because then what if nobody says they want it, right? But it was clear that that was going to happen. And so, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. There's a lot of scripture we're going to go through, okay? And so, I don't have enough time to go through all of it. So, I'm going to kind of paint the picture, set the tone, and then we're going to get into some very specific parts of the scripture. And so, in Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be. The first six verses talks about specifically King Nebuchadnezzar making this 90-foot-tall, 6-foot-wide statue, okay? Uh, making sure there was a celebration for it, telling his people that they had to go out and command this proclamation, that every time the music hit, that you would bow down and you would worship, you would idolize this statue. It would become an idol. And if you didn't, then the consequences were death by fire. And so that's the first, first six verses. And uh, I, I got to tell you that um, as, I was, as, as I was looking at this and wanted to share this with you guys, um, I was thinking about what my idols were, what my idols are, and immediately I went back to pre-Jesus, before I knew Jesus. I got saved when I was 21 years old, and before Jesus, basketball was my God. I mean, was my God. I lived basketball, I ate basketball, I drank basketball, I played basketball seven days a week, 10 to 12 10 to 12 hours a day, and uh, I got in trouble as I got a little bit bigger. The hoops were a little smaller in the neighborhoods for pulling rims off of houses. It was constantly, mom and dad were always taking me to house, always getting in trouble for that. I probably, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I'm just, I'm assuming it probably was the case. I probably slept with a basketball in my hand. I mean, that basketball was life. You guys heard that saying before, basketball is life? If you're a basketball player, you've heard that saying before. So, but then Jesus happened in my life, and Jesus changed it all. There was no room, zero room for basketball in my life. It was, it had to be God. And since then, God has graciously brought basketball back into my life, but there's no longer a love, it's a like. And really when basketball is involved, it's really a, used as a tool for me, as a, as a testimony to be able to share Jesus. And so, in, in saying that, I just wonder as you're sitting here and you're listening to my, my voice, how many of you all are already grabbing a hold of an idol you have in your life? Something that you worship and you bow down, that you, you, you idolize. And you're like, well, I don't do that. I, there's no st I don't go to the statue and do that. What is it that consumes your time? What is it that is a priority over anything else other than God? What is it that is just that all-consuming thing? I'm not going to ask you to share, but just hold on to that as we go on. 
But, but as, as we're in the book of Daniel and we see that this statue was made and that the, the proclamation was given and now death by fire if they don't bet down to this, we see something else happen in the next five verses. There's this group of people, uh, this, this group of people would have been like the personal Google of this time, like that's how smart they were, like they were the people of wisdom. And uh, they lived in this area and they're going to go to King Nebuchadnezzar, they want to kiss up. And they're going to go to the king, and they're going to say things like, you are so great and wonderful. You're going to live forever. You're the goat. Oh, it's so amazing what you do. Thank you so much for building this idol for us. Every time the music hits, we bow down, and we drop to our knees, and we worship it just like you said. And all your people do, except they're going to take it a step further. They're going to gossip and slander. They're going to throw under the bus Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is where we're going to take off in our scripture. We're going to go to verse number 12. Chapter 3, verse 12 says this. This is is these, these men. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And then watch what the king responds to this. He's not, he's not pleased with this. He says, then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave over the orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Okay, so now he's going to talk to the, he's going to talk to them. And Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold statue offset up? Now, if you're ready, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zyreth, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, just fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the fiery, blazing furnace. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? What an arrogant, pompous thing for that king to say, right? See, he, he, he lorded over everybody in the land, and he was the boss. Like, what he said went. And his response to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, who's the God that's going to rescue you from me? I'm the dude, right? Little did he know who he was talking to. He was talking to three men who worshiped God, who trusted God, and would only serve God, right? And so, my family... Uh, as you get to know us, you're going to find that we try to live our life the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego way. We don't always get it right, but it's how we try to live. When we face struggles, when we face obstacles, when there's sickness around, my wife's been sick for like two weeks, and part of it is the allergy pollen thing, and I've prayed for her a number of times. When we pray for somebody, we believe God is able or I'm not going to do it, right? Like, why am I going to waste my time? If I pray for you, if I get an opportunity to pray for you, it's because I know God is able. Also, why would I waste my time in praying for you unless I believed God would? So, so many times this week, I've prayed over my wife, laid hands on her, sleeping, and she's like, sounding like she's dying. I feel so bad for her. <clears throat> you know, uh, I, she's not here, so I'm going to get in trouble if I say that in third service. Uh, but um, I pray, pray over her because I believe God is able, and I believe God will heal her. But he didn't heal her for two weeks. Right? She woke up feeling a little bit better this morning, praise God. What am I going to do if that doesn't happen? And we try to emulate and live our life just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. We're still going to praise him. 
right? It's easy to worship and praise God when things are good and when things are going your way. But what happens when they're not, right? And so, so the, the, king, the king has challenged Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's tried to throw his weight around. Look at what these three men, how they respond to the king in this, with this gossip and slander thrown their way. We're going to go to verse number, I'm going to have to put on my glasses for this one, sorry. Okay, verse 16, there we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will rescue us from the power of you, king. Right? You can see this, this battle of, like, the obvious. Here is the king is, is everything goes his way and you follow his rules or you lose your life. And he thinks he's right. And he's battling against the obvious of these three men who know where all power and all authority is found. They trust the Lord no matter what. Right? And they respond this way, and this enrages the king, as you can only imagine. Like, who, nobody tells the king no. <laughs> these three did. He gets so mad, he, he, said, he declares that the, has his men light the furnace, the fire, seven times hotter than it normally is. And he's going to get his best guards, his best soldiers to come and bind together Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he commands that they take them up and throw them into the fire. And, and we're going to see what happens from this. If, if you've never heard this story before, you'd think the story is the end. Because there ain't no way someone's going to survive this fire. But some, something supernatural is going to happen. And we're going to get there in a moment. But I was thinking about this fire. And uh, we lived in California for 20 years, seven years in Santa Barbara. And uh, 30 miles outside of Santa Mar Barbara, roughly, is this small little Dutch town called Solvang. Has everybody, anybody ever been to Solvang before? Okay, there's a few hands. Yeah, I figured you had been there. So in Solvang, after Christmas, it's so cool. You can bring your trees, everybody can bring their Christmas trees, and you throw them in a big pile, and they pour a bunch of fuel on it, and they light it on fire. It's this big bonfire, and I got a picture of it. Check this out. They light it on fire. <laughs> Trust Jesus. We go back to that other slide. Trust Jesus. <laughs> and so you can see how far distance people have to be for safety, right? And so now, now I hear here in Texas, y'all do bonfires well as well too. And I hear colleges have big bonfires. We haven't experienced that yet, but, but I'm looking forward to that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, a few of you know, okay. So you look at this fire and you look how consuming it is. And you have to imagine this fire that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into this doesn't pale in comparison. Ain't nobody going to go walk through that fire, right? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown in the fire. They, well, they, they, get, they fall into the fire. So this is what happens. As the soldiers are taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up the hill, because this is how, how you can kind of describe it to you. There's this hill, and they dug a hole at the top of the hill. And then they light the fire inside this hole. That's, that's what this is. I know in a lot of your storybooks and stuff like that with kids, it's a furnace, and they peek through the window and stuff like that. That's not what it was. It was up the hill. So as the soldiers are taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego binded up the hill, and they're getting ready to, to push them in, they die. It's so hot, it kills his best, Nebuchadnezzar's best soldiers. They die. They're not even in the fire. In the process, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fall into the fire. 
And again, you think that it's over, but something supernatural is going to happen. Something supernatural is going to happen because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go, no, God is able. They know he will. And they'll only praise him. They'll only trust him. They'll only worship him. See, what happens is this. Is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up being saved from the fire. And uh, it's found in verse 28. I'm not going to have it up on the screen, but I, I want to share, share this with you. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar is going to look down in the fire a little bit later, and he looks in and he says to his people, hey, didn't I just tell you guys to put three guys in? I see four. There's four. And, and didn't I tell you to bind them? They're, they're walking around in the fire and they're not, they're not tied off no more. Like, and as a matter of fact, there's a fourth person here, and, and it looks like one of the gods. Like, it's just an angelic being. That's kind of crazy, right? They, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had fallen, in, fallen into the fire, which should have consumed them and killed them. And not only that, are they still alive, but they're walking around. I, they had to have been praising God in the process. That's what I only think I can imagine, walking around praising God. They're no longer tied up. Not a hair on their head was burnt. Their clothing was not burnt. And when he calls them out, when Nebuchadnezzar calls them out of the fire, he says, come out, come out, oh, come out. He's not going to go get them, but come out. As they come out, all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar knows something's crazy about these guys. Like, they got a power and authority like he can't imagine. And so, they didn't even smell like fire. How many of y'all probably going to go camping this next week since, since it's spring break? Anybody going to go camping? Nobody? Okay. I figured y'all go camping. That's what sounds like fun to me. Okay. So when you go camping and you light your, you have your campfire, the next, in the next couple days, you still smell like the campfire, right? These guys had been in the fire and they come out not even smelling like it, right? And so the question with all this is in looking at this, this, this story in the Bible that God wants you to hear is that do you guys believe God is able in your life? Do you truly believe God is able in your life? Do you believe he is able to heal you? Do you believe he's able to get you out of the situation of the hard time you're in? Do you believe he answers prayer? Can we come in agreement that he is able? Like we know he's able. If you're a note taker, I'm going to keep this real simple for you today. Um, there's one of two things that happens with God being able in your situation, whatever you're facing. There's one of two things, knowing God is able. The first thing that will happen, knowing God is able in your situation, is that he will get you through your situation. He will heal you here on earth. The reason why I said earth. He always answers your prayer, but he might even answer your prayer in the ways that you think it should be answered. Okay? So two, two things, two ways things turn out, knowing God is able, number one, he'll do it. He will. The second one, he won't. Right? Pretty simple, right? It's not rocket science here. Either God will or God won't. God might not heal you here on earth. And this is the part I want to make sure you hear so clear. Because he always does. See, if you're a child of God and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you're repented of your sins, and you have eternity in heaven, whatever ailment you're facing here on earth, whatever struggle you have on earth doesn't exist in heaven, doesn't exist in eternity. You will have a new body. No more pain, no more suffering. So he always does. It's just a matter of, does he do it here on earth, or does he do it for your eternity? So God is able... God will, 
And if he doesn't, it'd be here on earth and he doesn't. If he doesn't, then he is still God and we're called to worship him. We're called to praise him and him alone, right? Now, those are nice words. And it's easy to say, but what about walking it out? And, and in my quiet time, in my process of being able to share with y'all, was brought to my attention something to share with you, something personal. So when we were in California the first 12 years, uh, the first eight years, I had a really successful business. Super successful business. Um, I had dreams as a kid. I was a Laker fan. Uh, don't hold that against me. I'm not a Laker fan no more if you're against that, so it's a whole other story. But I, I was a Laker fan. I wanted to have Laker season tickets. Um, I had all these dreams and all these things. I wanted to be able to surf, all this kind of stuff. Well, we had arrived, you know, as arrived as can be, I guess. And we were a highly, highly successful business. We had what we wanted. We lived in Los Angeles area. We lived in an area called Woodland Hills. We lived in the nicest place you could live at in Woodland Hills. I'm not name dropping to name drop, but just to kind of paint the picture, one of the singers from Boys of Men lived next door to us. I mean, that's, that's the kind of place we lived at, like, like worldly baller status, which means nothing, by the way, <laughs> just to be real. We had arrived, business was good, and we came back from a vacation and overnight, something financially had happened with our business that was out of my control. And I could have legally bankrupted the business and even set it back up again if I wanted to. I could have bankrupted, that's not what God had for me. I could have bankrupted the business and walked away and we would have been fine. But that night when I went home and went to bed after I found out, the Lord spoke to me in his word. See, the Lord will speak to you. He might speak to you in different ways, this is why it's so important to have this. He spoke to me in his word and he said this, your name is worth more than silver and gold. Look at your neighbor right now, because this is what the word says, and tell them that your name is worth more than silver and gold. It's what the word says. I'm not saying that. The word says this. And he told me this. And all of a sudden, I could have walked away from our business that had just blown up, and we would have been just fine. But then what about my staff? What about the people who depended on me? My name was being represented. And it was being represented not from a worldly way, but from a godly way. And God was doing something in us that was beyond that. And so we sold everything we owned. Everything we owned. Even down to, we didn't have, not well, we had our clothes on our back. Almost everything we owned. We didn't own a car because we sold our cars. And I couldn't barely afford any kind of rent. We had someone from our church that said, hey, we've got a place in Van Nuys. If you know anything about California, you know where this is going. And it wasn't just a good part of Van Nuys, it was the bad part of Van Nuys, like in the hood. We got a place for you that you can rent, it's a one-bedroom apartment, and we'll let you borrow our, our old jalopy. Car never ran, it was so sweet of them, and they were such a blessing. But the car never ran, it broke down, so we really didn't have a car either. This place we moved into had dirty water, like we were in a third-world country the whole time, it was brown water the entire time. There were cockroaches on top of cockroaches on top of cockroaches. Like, it was crazy. Like, it couldn't have really got worse from a world view. We went from this, like, prestigious place with everything to, like, not even in the basement. My daughter was going to a private Christian school beforehand, and I couldn't afford to put food on the table, let alone pay for that now. And so in order to keep her in this school, I became the graveyard night janitor to clean the school. And I didn't do it with a joyful heart. I was not happy about cleaning this, this place, but we did that. And so as we're going through this struggle, from the very beginning, we had to, our dog, our littlest dog we have now that's still alive for a year and a half, had to go live with someone else because we couldn't have it there. We had to hit rock bottom. And the entire time, I knew God was able, because I had watched God move before. I knew he was able. 
And the entire time, I knew God would get us out of it. And my timing was quick. It was like, oh, we're gonna, it's going to be a month. A month went by. Oh, it's going to be two months. Two months went by. Six months. Six months went by. It was a little over a year. And I had a decision to make in this struggle, in this process. I knew God was able. I kept on thinking God would. But what if he didn't? Because guess what? He didn't for a while for us. And the decision I had to make was, was I still going to only worship him? Was I still going to only trust him? Or was I going to try to do something about it myself? Now, don't get me wrong. There's things you're supposed to do. There's supplication you do. But I'm talking about the trusting in the Lord in this, right? And so that's exactly what we did. We hunkered down. We surrendered. And we said, okay, Lord, have your way. You know best. I wouldn't want to do it again. If, like, you could say, I'll just skip ahead. But if I wouldn't have went through that, I would not be in front of you right now with the privilege and the blessing of being able to share the Word of God. Because, see, business was so good, why would I do this from just, like, a logical worldview, right? But the God, the creator of the universe, the only God, the only one we're to trust and bow down to, loved me so much, loved you so much, his plans are always better. And we rested assured in that. And so that, that's exactly what happened in, in, in our life, and it's what brought us here. Again, as a family, and, and the worship team will start making their, their way up here just in a moment, but as a family, we do our best to try to live the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego way. We don't always get it right, but we do our best. We know that God is able. We know that God will. And even when he doesn't, we trust the Lord and know that he is God. In just a moment, in just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to want to make a proclamation. See, Nebuchadnezzar had his people make a proclamation to an idol, to a stupid statue that doesn't, I don't think, exist anymore. I, I, they don't, I, I don't, don't believe it exists. Maybe it does, I don't know. But they, he, he made, had to make a proclamation to a statue. My encouragement, my challenge to you is today is, is in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to ask you to make a proclamation unto God. See, when we make a proclamation unto God and, and we do it based upon his word, we are praising him and we are worshiping him. And I know this because God wouldn't have gave me this as the message for this morning. I know there are some of you out there, maybe there are a lot of you out there that have a king you're facing, have a fire that you're facing, you have an idol in your life, you have things in your life that are keeping you from trusting him and only serving and worshiping him. And if you're willing to trust him, trust God, that idol will go. And so it's up on the screen. This is going to be our proclamation. In a moment, I'll have you stand up. God, I know that you are able for whatever your situation is. God, I know you will do it. Even if you don't, I will praise you only. Would you guys stand with me? Now listen, don't say this because I'm asking you to say this. Don't do this because you want to be a part of the status quo. Only proclaim this if this is where you want to be with God. Only proclaim this is if you really truly want to trust Him in whatever you're dealing with, right? You guys ready? Okay. Good. Here we go. Number one, all together. God, I know you are able. Number two, God, I know you will do it. Number three, even if you don't, I will praise you only. I'm going to leave the stage here. We're going to get into some worship. 
Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe looking at this is like, how can I trust him? I don't even know who he is. You don't have to leave the sanctuary today not knowing who he is. Pastors will be off to the side. I'll be off to the side. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never repented from your sins, except that, he, that Jesus died on the cross and three days later God rose him from the dead, and you're ready to submit to Jesus, come talk to us. Let's worship. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.